Welcome to episode 90 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Why, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, (laughs) if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 90 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. And how was your Christmas, Jen? Well, it was absolutely a roller coaster of excitement. The few days leading up to Christmas, um, Delay Don't Deny was number one in the weight loss category for three days in a row. And it was like so exciting. In fact, this is kind of funny. I don't know why it's like this, but the um, I was number one and number 10 in the weight loss category 
for a, for a while because the paperback was number one and the Kindle version was number 10. And I don't even know why they're showing up separately, but for some reason they were. Maybe because initially they were pub, one was Create Space, one was anyway. So um, now they're all rolled into Kindle Direct Publishing, but perhaps that was why. I don't know. So it was really cool being number one and number 10 <laughs> in weight loss. And um, this was like, I got it even have any idea this was happening until someone let me know, but Delay Don't Deny was number 26 of all of the books on Amazon. Like, all of them. Like, number one was Michelle Obama's book. Number two was the wonk, the wonky donkey. They, they, weren't, they weren't weight loss books. I mean, these were like National Geographic for kids. I mean, you know, it was holiday-type books, I guess. People were buying things for Christmas. So I was like, this is so exciting. So thank you, listeners, who... <laughs> who did a lot of reading of Delay, Don't Deny and gifting Delay, Don't Deny. And it was very, very exciting. I can now say I have a number one bestseller on Amazon in the weight loss category. Like the actual number one bestseller. That's exciting. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Big things are to come in 2019. I feel it. Oh, me too. It's going to be a big year for intermittent fasting. I mean, I just, I feel it. It's going to be huge. So it's going to be the year. Yeah, I think so. We're coming out of the out of the shadows of of <laughs> and out into mainstream. So I love it. So how about you? How, how have you been doing? So I was actually talking to Ariane Resnick. She's a, the chef who created all of the recipes for What When Wine. Right. And she has a new book coming out. And <laughs> it's so funny. So she sent me a copy of the book, and I didn't even realize that she had my editor. Like, she ended up signing with my editor for What When Wine. Oh, very cool. Like, the, the not even the same – I mean, the same publishing company, but then also the same – The same editor. Editor as well. So That's small great. world. I was like yep. – because I got the book, and then – I was reading like the acknowledgments at the end and it was like, thanks to, and then my editor. And I was like, wait, what? What? <laughs> um, but reason I bring that up. So she's like super talented. She's been like the celebrity chef for like Pink, like Pink's personal chef. Okay. She's done a lot of, um, a lot of recipes for like really high profile people and magazines and things like that. And she specializes in food sensitivities and creating recipes for any diet plan. So she has a new book coming out, and it's called Wake Sleep, and the subtitle is What to Eat and Do for More Energy and Better Sleep, and um, this is so funny. Remember how we were talking about, like, I was saying you should have the upside-down version of your book? Oh, with one on each side? Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. So that's what hers is. Oh, I love that. Like, the one side is wake, and then the other side is sleep. Oh, that's cool. And you, like, flip yep. it. Half of it is recipes that help you like have energy and be awake. And then half of it is recipes to like help you fall asleep. Very cool. It's brilliant. And it has a lot of science behind everything. And a lot of, it's like a lot of wake stuff that's like, that's caffeine free at the same time. And then, you know, a lot of sleep stuff that obviously doesn't have alcohol or anything like that. It's a great book. Like I can't recommend it enough. And we can do an Instagram giveaway for listeners. Awesome. For that book. Because actually when this airs. It'll be coming out the next day. Fabulous. So I am actually going to post a picture of the book on my personal Instagram. So if you go to um, the Instagram, Melanie Avalon, and there'll be a picture of that book. And then if you follow follow me, follow Ariane, and comment your favorite intermittent fasting life benefit, and then also tag a friend, maybe a friend who does intermittent fasting with you or a friend that is into intermittent fasting or a friend who you think would like this book. <laughs> and um, we will enter you into a drawing and you can comment as many times as you want. Just um, tag a different friend for each comment and then we'll do a drawing. And yeah, that book actually will come out the next day, like tomorrow. It comes out tomorrow, but um, you can get a free copy. It'll be signed. Awesome. That's wonderful. Yay. Yay for that. Yay, free things. Yeah. <laughs> free things we actually want. That's even better. I know. No, like this book is awesome. I can't wait to get – she sent me like the galley version. So like, you know, the electronic version. I cannot wait to get the, the physical, physical copy. Awesome. All right. Shall we jump into the questions for today? Yes, let's get started. 
All right. So to start things off, <laughs> we have a question from Brittany and we have questions from Brittany. The subject is questions on many different topics. All right, here we go. We're going to do these one by one. So Brittany says, hello, Melanie and Jen. First, thank you for all that you do. I truly appreciate the podcast and information you share. I am loving the IF lifestyle and truly feel like it is something that I can do for the rest of my life. I'm writing you because I have a few questions for you on the topics of clean fasting, bio and life hacking, over-exercising, accidentally breaking a fast, and going paleo. I understand that this is a lot of questions and multiple topics that can't be covered in one episode because it would take the entire episode, which it might. And we're glad. We're fine with that. (laughs) I know. (laughs) But I hope you're able to address them at some point. Thank you. I just, side note, I'm like an all or none person, so I can't. Oh, yeah, me too. I couldn't read a listener question Mm -hmm. and not do all of it. I agree. It would drive me crazy. Did you know, fun fact, did you know that um, your brain more likely remembers things that you started but didn't finish? No, I did not. Rather than rather than things you didn't start. I'm trying to understand. Like, okay. So like say you have a big project or something that you need to do. If you haven't started it yet, like you're thinking about doing it, it won't be constantly on your mind. Once you start it, so say it's like right. writing a book. So if you start writing a few pages, your brain, it remembers unfinished things. So it'll like constantly be thinking about it. And once you realize this, you will notice it. You'll notice that if you start anything and leave it unfinished, that it hovers in your brain. Hmm. See, I'm more of a like, I have a hard time leaving something unfinished because I'm like, once I start doing something, um, unless it's not something you can literally do at one time, I'm like hyper-focused on finishing. I'm, I have a hard time like doing a little bit of something and then leaving and then coming back to it. So when you were writing your book, for example, if you're writing a chapter, you would write the oh, whole gosh, chapter? Oh, gosh, yes. Yes. Oh, oh see. see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, we're different. Yep. I think I have a fear of something not being perfect. So I like don't ever want to finish it at one time because then I feel like it's, it has to be perfect. Yeah. I'm more of do do the whole thing, do the whole thing, and then go away from it for a while and then come back to it. But once it's started, I can't stop. Like I literally would not be able to stop myself in the middle of that. Like I can gather the research. Like Feast Without Fear was more like that. Like I would gather the research and spend some time on that. But once I started writing it, I just have to write it. I just have to write it, write it, write it. So you probably don't do this. Like this is something I do. I'll if I if it's a day where I'm working at home all day and I'm working on lots of different projects, I'll like work on my audiobook for 20 minutes, then I'll work on a blog post for 20 minutes, and I'll go clean oh, no, the dishes, I don't, uh, but I won't clean the whole kitchen. Nope. And then I'll come back to the audiobook, and then I'll write an email, and then I'll go no. do something else in the kitchen. No. Uh-uh. No. I have to do it all at one time. Like, for example, when I am um, putting up Christmas decorations, I put up all the Christmas decorations in one day. Okay. I don't just do a little bit at the time. Or when, when I'm – Yeah. I mean, in that situation, I probably would do it in one day, but I would do it in chunks. So, like, I would do a little bit of Christmas decoration, then I would write on my blog post, then I would go do another Christmas. I am making Christmas decorations and do not stop me in the middle of it to tell me, like, you want me to fix you dinner or something. Forget it. I will fix you dinner when I'm done. This is so I don't like to be interrupted when I'm in the middle of a project. This kind of ties into one of her later questions, actually. Awesome. We We might not even get through this whole question at this point. We will. We will. Okay. Here we go. My first question is about the clean fast. How do you know if these gray area things, such as lemon, lime, other types of teas, etc., I'm referring to Jen's maybe column on her chart, are breaking your fast? For example, I have been fasting for six weeks so far, and I've been drinking Tazo Zen. Is it Tazo? I guess. I've never heard anybody say it. Me neither. I think think everybody just looks at it. Um... Tazo Zen green tea, not adding anything to it. I have felt completely fine and have experienced about a three to five pound loss. However, out of curiosity, I looked at the ingredients of the Tazo Zen green tea this morning and it read green tea, lemon verbana, spearmint leaves, lemongrass, natural flavors. Now, I know that natural flavors are a no-go for clean fasting, but my question is, if this doesn't seem to be affecting my fast, is it still... Should I stop consuming this during my fast, even though it does not make me hungry? 
Do you think that this has been stalling my results thus far? Thanks so much for your help. Okay, so that's the first question. I'm going to let Jen just run with this one. All right, th- this is this is a great great question, and it took me down a rabbit hole of of natural flavors. But before that, I want to talk about what um, Brittany's saying about you know if it doesn't make me hungry, is it okay? And that's okay for things. That's an okay test for things that are in the gray area for people who have seen my diagram that's available in my Facebook group. And um, basically, anything that is in the gray area are things like you know lemon wedge in your in your water or cinnamon, which theoretically may re- reduce insulin levels. So therefore, it might be a good choice during the fast since low insulin is what we want. But it really might not be okay for some people. So that's what we mean by the gray area. And we recommend that people. Know what a clean fast feels like for a while before they experiment with any of those items. So, even for you, Brittany, you say that you've been doing um, you've been doing intermittent fasting for about six weeks, and you've been having the tea the whole time. So, see, you haven't done the clean fast test yet. So, what you're going to have to do, like you think it's not making you hungry, but you don't really know because you've never done it without it. So, what I would suggest is stop with this tea for you know three weeks. And then try it again and see. And you may be surprised that actually, oh, there is a difference that you weren't aware of. Because that's what happened with me when I used to um, fast before, when I didn't understand, before I read the obesity code, I didn't understand about stevia and its effects on insulin. So I thought that that stevia I was using in my coffee was helping me to fast. And it wasn't until I gave it up that I realized it, it actually was making it harder And once I started fasting clean, the fasting was so much easier. Like I would not have said the stevia was making me hungry until I tried it without it. So that's my advice for you. Get rid of it for three weeks and see. Now, even so, we do always say no to natural flavors, and here's why. First of all, I would like to read you the Code of Federal Regulations definition of a natural flavor. Now, this is going to sound crazy because it is, <laughs> okay? The term natural flavor or natural flavoring means the essential oil, oleo resin, essence or extricative, protein hydrolysate, I don't even know if I'm saying these right, distillate, or any product of roasting, heating, or enzymolysis, I think that's something with enzymes, which contains the flavoring constituents derived from a spice, fruit, or fruit juice, vegetable or vegetable juice, edible yeast, herb, bark, bud, root, leaf, or similar plant material, meat, seafood, poultry, eggs, dairy products, or fermentation products thereof, whose significant function in food is flavoring rather than nutritional. Natural flavors include the natural essence or extratives obtained from plants. Okay, so you see that is so broad. It could literally be anything. We don't know what it is. So you don't know. When it says natural flavoring, it could literally be anything. Even the natural flavoring terminology could come from meat, seafood, whatever. I mean, anything. So we don't know what they're putting in there. It's just it covers a bunch of of different chemicals and... um, You just don't know what it is. So then I did some more digging, and I found a really interesting interview. Have you ever heard of the book, The Dorito Effect, Melanie? I don't think so. Okay. I I read this a while back, um, The Dorito Effect with um, by Mark mm, Schautzner. I can't – I'm not sure how to say his name. But Food Babe, who's big on, um, you know, what's in our food and investigating what's in our food. She's got a website. She had an interview with the author of The Dorito Effect – and we will put a link to the actual interview that she has with him in the show notes. And it has to do with you know, his his book is about what um, food manufacturers basically have done to foods that you know that mess with our brains and make us keep eating more and more and more. And you know he calls it Dor- the Dorito effect because you know these chemicals are found, of course, in Doritos, which are one of my most favorite junk foods of all time. I still like Doritos. I had some on Christmas Day, by the way. They're delicious. But his book explains why you can't just eat one and also why you're never full when you eat them. They, they cause you to keep eating more and more and more, and that is by design. You know, you, you're not going to be satisfied from them. So basically, there's a, a inter- video interview that we'll, we'll have the link to, and um, it's, it's definitely worth watching. So 
he talks about what these flavorings do to your brain. Do you want this to be happening in your brain when you're trying to fast? And the answer is no. So if these, you know, quote, natural flavorings are stimulating an area of the brain, that is the last thing you want, this, the area of the brain that's leading to appetite and um, other things like that. So they even had one section where they talked specifically about LaCroix. We get this question a lot because they have those, quote, naturally flavored waters um, that are supposedly just, you know, fruit essence. So people are like, what's the difference when I have a, you know, a LaCroix lemon flavor? How is that different than when I throw a, a lemon wedge into, um, you know, my own sparkling water? Well, it is really, really, really different. These natural flavorings are not actually lemon. They're designed to simulate lemon in your brain. And, you know, it might be the oleoresin or the protein, what, all these different words that I said earlier. You don't really know what it is, but your brain is perceiving that it's lemon-flavored, but it might actually not be anything like actual lemon. So he actually said, um, this is the quote, there is a perception of foodness that isn't there. And so even with other things like the fruit-flavored things that might be actual fruit, like if you did put strawberries in your water yourself, even if you did it yourself, you know, we're sending a signal to our body that calories are on the way, and then we don't send the calories. And he talked about how this contributes to some of the metabolic issues that we're seeing these days with um, with our bodies. So long story, story short, I would check out that video on Food Babe with the author of The Dorito Effect. And it really lets you know why we don't want anything with natural flavors during the fast. And, you know, some people avoid, you know, these types of things all the time. They just want to eat real food. You know, I had Doritos just the other day. Like I said, real Doritos, actual Doritos, but I had them in my eating window. But during the fast, we want to be careful. And um, I would avoid anything with natural flavors during the fast. All right, Melanie, what do you have to say about that? I was just thinking about how I bought some prepared horseradish the other day <laughs> and it said natural flavors and I called the company and was like what is the natural flavors in your prepared horseradish I have called so many companies and yeah. asked that question but then they said it was just something from horseradish well they, they don't always even know I mean they're just gonna say that yeah so you have horseradish and then you have horseradish essence flavoring what what is that I know why <laughs> right so there was a blog post that I read. It was not the Food Babe one that I was referring to, but it was another one that talked about she did something like this. She started calling companies and asking them because her, I think she, it was a mom who had kids with, with food sensitivities. And she said she got like all kind of crazy answers when she would call and ask. I yeah. love contacting companies about, I have contacted so many <laughs> different companies about the random products with these questions. It's fun. Oh, I absolutely would not trust what just somebody would tell you about that over the phone. Like they probably. Well, it's usually via email, but. Okay. I think you answered that question well. There's a lot to it. And just, it, it really, you know, the more you dig into what, what is being added to our food, the more it makes you kind of mad and you realize why we have such a problem with, with obesity, particularly, you know, if you're eating all day long, like, like I used to do and, you know, you're like, well, I'm just having a hundred calorie pack of Doritos. What's the problem? It's a hundred calories, but it stimulates the brain in a different way. It it just makes you just crave more food on purpose. So sneaky. It is sneaky, but they want to sell you more food. All right. So her next question, Brittany's next question, she says, I have noticed that many of your guests, Todd White, L. Russ, Dorian Greenell, talk a lot about biohacking. What is a biohack? What is a life hack? What is the difference between a life hack and a biohack? Could you list your top five bio and life hacks? Um, so I'm curious uh, if you agree with the definition, Jen, between bio and life hack. I had never really thought about this before, but. Well, okay. Let, let me say what I think it is, and you can tell me if you think that's true. Okay, sure. I think a life hack is when you find something in your life that you tweak that makes your life easier. Like something that makes your life easier or more enjoyable in a way, that's a life hack. And then a biohack, same idea, but it's more specific. It's when you're tweaking something to make your body function better or to something with the way your body operates. Yeah, I'm pretty much on the same page. I, I, I see a biohack as, like you just said, something that 
that we're, I, I see it as a more modern thing because it's things now that we have technology and science and have been analyzing the body, it's these different things that we can do to upgrade our performance with all of our new knowledge and, and, te- and technologies and things like that. And then life hack, I, yeah, I like how you defined it. I, maybe mine is just because I really fit what makes me happy is being productive in life. So I always see life hacks as ways to become more productive or more efficient or something like that. But yeah, that's a good way of putting it more efficient or just making your life easier. So it's not necessarily your body per se, but something in how you do things. And I was able to come up with five for each. I have five for each. Me too. (laughs) Yay. All right. Should we start with life hacks? I'm sure. Do we want to do? You want me to name all five of mine, or do we want to do them one by one? I don't know. We always have this conversation. I know, and I never know what we're going to do. We could we could go back and forth. Okay. All right. And if you say one of the same ones, then I'll say I had that one. All right. So I've got my five life hacks. What are your? You want me to start with the first one? Sure. Okay. Well, my first one and number two are kind of the same thing. I wrote them down as two separate ones, but one I started with and the other one I've introduced more recently. So I'm just going to start with number one, meal delivery kits. I started with these in 2016 and those are the, they, they have different menus every week and they send you the actual food, like the food that you were going to have to go buy at the grocery store but it's like in a box with ice and it's it's fresh and, you know, raw chicken, raw whatever, you know, corn on the cob that you have to shuck yourself, that kind of thing. So it's exactly like going to the grocery store and coming home with the food, except they send it to you and you have to cook it. The meal delivery kits have changed my life so very much. Like, for example, last night I had a delicious dinner from one of them. And it had Brussels sprouts in it. No big deal, right? Well, I didn't used to eat Brussels sprouts. I would not ever have gone to the grocery store and bought Brussels sprouts. But thanks to these meal delivery kits, I've really opened up my palate and I'm eating foods I never tried before. So that is my number one life hack that changed my life when I started in 2016. And I've been doing them nonstop ever since. Can I just say if Brussels sprouts were more easily digestible, I would eat so many Brussels sprouts. I love them. I love them. My mom hated them growing up, apparently, so we never had them growing up. And it was always like, Brussels sprouts, ew. Like, that was the the vibe in the family. Like, nobody likes Brussels sprouts. And then I remember I finally tried them as an adult, and I was like, what have I been missing? Well, here's a funny story. My mother only likes the ones that are frozen. Oh. (laughs) They're they're not good at all. Because they get more mushy, maybe? Yes. I don't know. I really like uh, the frozen uh, ones. No, but she likes those. And so we went out to eat for um, the day before Christmas Eve, and I had this um, Brussels sprouts side dish, and it, it was, like, so amazing. And my mom was like, I don't think those look like Brussels sprouts at all. And I'm like, well, try one. And she's like, ooh, I don't like it. I'm like, that is hilarious because I don't like her gray old way of making them. <laughs> you know I tried the other day? What? Have you tried the purple Brussels sprouts? I've not even ever seen those. There is this brand – you, you um you should see if they have it at your local store. It's called Fr- Frida's, I think, and they make all of the really weird heirloom varieties and like weird versions of foods. And they, and they, I think, I don't know, they have tons of foods by them out here in LA. So they have like purple Brussels sprouts. They have the tiny little pineapples that are like baby little pineapples. They're miniature pineapples. Have you seen those? No. And they have like gooseberries and like all all these just really weird foods oh i just thought of one more thing to add to my life hack list so i'm gonna put number one and number two together and say them at the same time because they're kind of (laughs) similar my other one besides the meal delivery kits is prep dish and so i'm I'm putting prep dish there too as as life-changing one of the members of my facebook group um joined prep dish after hearing about it on um on our show. And she was actually interviewed by Allison, the founder of Prep Dish on the, the Prep Dish Facebook page. And so I loved seeing that. But um, the the group member that was talking about it, she lives in Alaska. And so she can't do the meal delivery kits because she lives in Alaska and none of them deliver to Alaska. So she is had her life changed dramatically because of Prep Dish and um, loves it. And so I thought that was awesome. So, you know, the meal delivery kits are not for everybody. Number one, they might not deliver to you. Number two, face it, they are more expensive. You know, you are paying for the convenience of them bringing the food to your house. But with Prep Dish, you actually 
get all the menus figured out for you. And then they tell you what to buy at the grocery store. So you go to the grocery store and you get it yourself. You know, if you're going to the grocery store anyway, you can get the things you need there. And you can also adjust it. Like weeks that I have had more people coming or special events, I've used prep dish because I needed more flexibility. I needed more than just, you know, a meal delivery kit. So both of them work in my life, but that's my number one life hack, especially for intermittent fasters. You know, you want your food to be delicious. Okay. Should we keep going through your five? That's fine. Yeah. Then- let's do it. Okay. Okay. My second one actually works well with prep dish, <laughs> unless you're in a place that doesn't have it. Have you used Instacart? Have I talked about Instacart before? No, but now I just thought of another life hack that reminds me. I because it's probably the same. It's probably similar. Okay, I'm I'm adding a new I'm adding a new life hack to mine. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's like it, you send them your grocery list. It's it's like you know how you have Amazon Prime and they bring you your stuff in two days, or if you live in a big city, like in two hours. Well, Instacart is like that, but they shop at like in, at our local area, you can get stuff from Costco or, you know, Kroger or Publix or, you know, Earth Fair, and they'll deliver it to your house. So you just send out your shopping list and you have, it depends, you have to have a plan or you pay, pay a delivery fee, but I did the the year plan. And um, so then I don't have to pay a delivery fee each time. You just tip the, the shopper. Somebody actually is shopping with my grocery list. And it was awesome to get to do that because I'd rather stay home than go fight the crowds at the store. I don't like to shop. We've talked about this before. I don't like to shop at the grocery store. But I'm also the world's worst grocery store shopper because I'll be in there and I'm like, I'm going to buy, you know, $42 worth of cheese (laughs) because I'm just buying, you know, random things. So like today I bought really expensive champagne for New Year's Eve because it looked like something I needed. So I should just stay out of the store. I remember I read... That's something that our brain does too when we're shopping, especially people who have like shopping problems. Um, if you see an item, your brain comes up with a situation that you might need it. Yeah. I'm like, I need this $47 champagne because that's <laughs> true. Yeah. But it's like an evolutionary <laughs> thing in your brain. I don't know how it like relates to like as a species, but it, for some reason we if we see something, our brain will construct a situation where you might need it to convince. So you. nobody told my husband. He's not a podcast listener. Okay. <laughs> Mom's the word. But it, also if you buy $47 champagne at Costco, it doesn't really count. It's, you know, cuz you saved also that much money cuz you bought it at Costco. Oh, that's the uh, yeah. That's the other thing. It's like you feel like you, you feel like you're saving money by spending more. I'm at Costco, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if something is on sale, you feel like yeah. you're saving money. It's like oh, you have to spend more to use this coupon to get a dollar right. off. So you feel like you're saving money, but you had to spend it's like true. ten dollars more that you wouldn't have spent, and if you had it's not true. used the coupon, coupons are sneaky. Yep, the psychology of a sale. By the way, listeners, we are recording this prior to New Year's Eve, so by the time you listen, I will have already consumed that delicious champagne. But yeah, Instacart keeps Jen out of the stores. So that's a good thing. That's so funny because one of my, (laughs) this wasn't one of my life hacks, but one I thought about doing was that this would only really apply to people who like this like me, but was to not stock up on groceries and go to the store every day (laughs) to get your exercise and keep it fresh. Yeah. Well, if you, if you like to do that, that's a good one. All right. We got to hurry. Life hack three. Artisan Bread in Five Minutes a Day. This is a book that's on um, the Favorite Things tab at jenstevens.com. This Artisan Bread in Five Minutes a Day is something a lot of the people in my Facebook groups are doing because you can mix it up, stick it in the fridge, and then every day you just pull out as much as you need to bake so you can have fresh bread every day. So that's a life hack that I've really enjoyed. Of course, now I'm grinding my own wheat, and so I'm using a different recipe. But that Artisan Bread in Five Minutes a Day changed my life to the point that now I just have to have fresh bread every day. Now I'm using more complicated bread, but it's it changed my life. Um, number four is leaving the butter on the counter. My best friend in childhood used to do that. And I yeah. was like, isn't that supposed to be in the refrigerator? You know, and I, I did some research about that. <laughs> and back in, in the summer, or maybe even in the spring, um, and... There are two camps of people in this world, people who leave the butter out on the counter and people who keep the butter in the refrigerator. And apparently keeping it on the counter is just fine. 
We've all been fine ever since we've been doing it, and so it's spreadable. So that was when I got my my butter cow that I keep my butter for my butter dish for the the dinner table, and I also have like a big butter dish that I keep by the stove, and so when I'm cooking, I can just scoop out butter and use it, and it's just and I just keep you know I put new sticks in there whenever I get low. So keeping the butter on the counter is a life hack that you know you have that fresh spreadable bread at all times. And number five, hiring people to do things for you. This one might be silly. Yeah, yeah. But here's just an example. I'm getting new curtains for my living room. And I can make curtains. I know how to sew. But I'm not very good at it. And they're not going to be great. And the curtain fabric I'm using has a white background. And probably, by I know myself, by the time I finish, they would be dirty. Because <laughs> I would be like, I don't know, spilling coffee on them, whatever. I don't, I don't trust myself. So I didn't realize, you know, a lot of the cost in curtains is the fabric. Of course, if I made them myself, I would have to buy the fabric anyway. So I, I found this local company that makes them for $95 a panel. And it's going to be like a thousand times better than if I did it myself. So just sometimes you can just hire somebody to do something and it isn't as expensive as you thought it was going to be. That also works from for the podcast intermittent fasting stories because I would still not be doing it if I had to do the editing myself because I don't know how to do it. So I found a company that edits podcasts and it just it relieves the pressure of thinking you have to do it yourself. I was gonna say time is money. It is. It is. And so I don't have to sew my own curtains and I don't have to edit the podcast and that is okay. All right. So what are your five? I was wondering if the if they were all going to be food related for you. Because four out of five were food, right? Well, they were because, I mean, the rest of my life doesn't need any hacking, I guess. It's just funny because, like, mine are pretty much all about productivity. Oh, that's great. Um, Almost. I have, like, ten of them, though. <laughs> um, oh, this was so hard. Okay. They're not actually all productivity. Okay, so my first one is make all of your passwords for th- – well – I don't want to give away my passwords. This won't give it away though. Make all of your passwords something that is motivational or like a mantra. So then every time you have to type in your password, you automatically do a do a mantra in your head. Ooh, that's awesome. So something like, you know, you are amazing or like I've got this or delay don't deny. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that is not my password, y'all. It is not. So, if you struggle with like implementing mantras because they can be very powerful but sometimes it's hard to like to remember to like say them so that's one way to do it awesome okay so number two if you're struggling with starting a project or you're procrastinating or something like that say you're going to work on it for just one minute because you can do anything for one minute (laughs) um and chances are if you start working on something you'll keep doing it or you could do like five minutes well, for me, I would keep doing it till it was finished because now you know that about me. For the non-gins in the world, um, so like if you need to write something or do something, basically give yourself a really short time limit and say, okay, I'm, I'm not going to have to finish it because I think that's what's overwhelming. That's what overwhelms me is I feel like if I start it, I have to finish it. And that's really overwhelming to me. And I want it to be perfect, like I said. So instead, I think, okay, I'm going to work on this for five minutes and then it'll just be whatever. It's, it doesn't have to be finished. But the chances are, chances are once I start it, I just keep going. So that's number two. Number three, something else for like boosting productivity. There's a point of diminishing returns where, because your brain, they say that like your brain really functions best working on something for 20 minutes or I don't know. It sounds like an arbitrary number, but basically when you're working on something for a really long time, for most people, um, there is a point where you're going to lose focus. And at that point, it, it, it is not – there's really no point in trying to keep – stay focused and keep on keeping on because your brain needs to switch to something else. What I find is when I hit that point where I can tell that I'm not really focusing, um, you can switch to something else that is productive but something that's not pressing before switching back. So then you can still get things done and not lose your productivity stream. Okay, so that sounded really vague. Here's an example. Um Say that you need to write, and this is just me because I do blog posts. Say you need to write a blog post or write something. So work on it and go, go, go until you feel good. And then when you can see that you're starting to wander and not really focusing, 
then switch and do do another task that is not pressing but is still productive like working like cleaning your desk a little bit so then you could work on cleaning your desk and that's like mindless and you can do that you know for another 20 minutes or so but you're getting something done it's mindless you're giving your brain a break and you can go back to your your task so I know Jim wouldn't like that because it's alternating between different things, <laughs> but um, I found that really works for me, and I've always done that naturally. And then I was reading um, the Atomic Habits right. book that I talked about before, and he talked about that like in detail, and I was like, oh, it's like a thing. Who knew? See, for me, I, I can't pull my brain away, and I'm I'm like um, constantly still thinking about the thing that I didn't finish. But like I was saying, you remember things that you didn't finish. Right. And I can't stop thinking about it. And so I'll have to just finish it. Yeah. <laughs> this this wasn't one of them. I, I would also throw out um, for writing. Something else you can do is you can you can write with wine at night in your creativity mode and then edit with caffeine in the morning. I find that very effective. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then so number four. Okay. So here's like a social one. People associate what you're talking about even if it's not about you, with you. So if you talk to somebody and you're, ta- and you're gossiping like negatively about somebody else, even though you're talking about the other person, the person that you're talking to will subconsciously attribute the things you're saying to you. If you're like, that person is so stupid and mean and I don't like them, then the person that you're talking to is going to have negative those negative vibes attached to you. So when you talk to people, I think it's really important to only, you know, keep things positive or neutral. And that's just a good life lesson in general. Don't be a big gossip. <laughs> yeah. But here's here's why. Yeah. Remember, I think I talked about this talked about this on the podcast. If you write an email, they did the study and they if you write an email or a letter and there's a typo, how it's interpreted. Did I bring this one up? I can't remember. Like if you write, they, they found out that if you write an email and it has a typo in it. They like you better or that what? No, they, um, whatever the emotion of the email is, seems more extreme for you. So like okay. if it's a really friendly email and there's a typo, they're like, oh, she's super friendly. But if it's like a really mean email and there's a typo, it makes you seem meaner. It magnifies the emotion. That is so interesting. And I and I've I realized that I think it's because like you like I don't know why you like see the person in your head, you know, writing the email or saying the words, and when they when they mess up, I guess it just accentuates whatever aspect of them. And then so number five, I changed because I thought of it based on what you said. Um, have you heard of the Ibotta app? Huh. I don't know. Is that the same as like Instacart? It's super amazing. I think I've seen it written. Is it I-B-O-T-T-A? I've seen it. I don't know what it is. You basically get like discounts and cash back on basically everything you're already buying. <laughs> okay. So that's like Ebates. Yeah. Like you, you look up um, the different things. So like I use it. Well, I use it for Amazon. So now um, I never go on my browser and get on Amazon. I go onto my phone, click on Ibotta, click on Amazon. It's just one extra click in your life. And then you, you and then it pulls up the normal Amazon site, so it's like nothing ever happened. But you get like five percent back on a lot of things. And it's like oh, awesome. And then it's stuff for like grocery yeah. stores, like you can click Kroger or Ralph's, and then it'll have all these things. And you just take a picture of your receipt, and you get money. Awesome. Back. That's a great hack. So or like there's one for PetSmart. So like when I had my um my yeah. cat in, in Atlanta, her cat food was really expensive because of course I was going and buying the like. <laughs> <laughs> like really expensive <laughs> the fancy cat yeah fancy Free cat range food. turkey dinners with like no additives duck actually apparently duck is a really good non-allergenic protein for cats i did a lot of research <laughs> but um yeah get like cash back on her on her um 30 dollar i love it protein grass fed i don't know ducks don't eat grass i don't know what they eat what do ducks eat bugs I, I think know. they ate bugs. This is going to sound like a plug. I've never done the social network aspect of it, but I know that you can sign up through referrals and I think you form like a team or something, but I do know you get a sign up incentive. Like I signed up through a friend and immediately got $10. So I will put in the show notes, I'll look, I'll research this a little bit and I will put a link to use. And I think if you use a referral code that I put, you'll get $10. Cool. And you'll be on my team. Yeah, that sounds fun. 
So basically, I just told you how to download an app and get $10, <laughs> even if you don't use it. Um, yeah, I'll put links to all of it in the show notes. Awesome. And those will be at ifpodcast.com slash episode 90. Fabulous. All right, we ready for the biohacks? We are not going to get through this whole question. I, <laughs> I was like, we're done with that one. Okay, Um, yes, biohacks. No, biohacks. All right. Number one biohack is, of course, drum roll, please, intermittent fasting. Oh, I didn't even put that. <laughs> I mean, that's the number one biohack because, you know, it's it's what we're doing. I'll just move on. Okay. <laughs> the number two biohack is my vibration plate. I had that. And I love that because it's great for muscle building. It's great for your lymph system. I love my vibration plate. It makes plate. me feel so good. I you like feel sitting good? on yeah. it, too. Yep. Yep. All right. My number three biohack is black coffee because we we know that um, black coffee is linked to increased autophagy. We also know that when you drink black coffee, it helps you deplete your liver glycogen faster during the fast and get you to the fat burning state more quickly. We've seen research that it's great as a pre-workout before exercising. So it's an easy biohack, black coffee. We love it. Side note, um, it's the perfect pre-workout. You don't need all yeah, that other stuff. You don't. If somebody's trying to sell it to you, especially if they're like, you're going to be on their team and now you're going to be a millionaire, yeah, you don't, don't want it. Just don't walk away. Come, walk come, away. Come join my Ibotta team instead. <laughs> Get some black coffee, right? <laughs> all right. Um, my fourth biohack is my new bed that tracks sleep, which is awesome. It's helping me make connections between what I'm doing and my sleep. I had a great night's sleep last night, by the way. <laughs> and then my fifth biohack is um, something I talk about in Feast Without Fear, and that is the fact that we have um, bioindividuality and that what works for me is not going to work for you, and it could be based on both your DNA or your gut microbiome. So I've had both DNA testing through 23andMe, and I had my gut microbiome tested through the American Gut Project. And I learned some very important things about myself. It was kind of, you know, confirming what I already knew. It wasn't like I, I shifted anything I didn't know, but it, it confirmed what I already knew about myself. So that was just interesting. Do you have to do that? No. But it's it's interesting. And there are more and more companies that are actually um, doing this kind of thing now. I should have thought of the genetic testing. Actually, yeah. I shouldn't have because then I'd have more than five. I agree with that one, though. I mean, yeah. I agree with it's, all the it's ones cool. you said. It's cool. Yeah. And I thought of another one while you were talking. Oh, this is so hard. I have like 50 million. Oh, I know. I, I was like, this is a Melanie question, but I'm going to make you limit it to five. Okay. Um, number one, red light therapy. Obsessed. I knew it. I'm obsessed with my juve. Everybody needs a juve in their life. Um, it's just so amazing. I talk about it all the time on the podcast, but I'm obsessed and I want a bigger unit now so bad. I think I'm going to get one. Maybe. When I'm in a more permanent space, it's amazing for energy, for like mood, for skin health. It just makes me feel so amazing. We do have a special deal for listeners, by the way. <laughs> um, if you go to juve.com slash ifpodcast and use the code ifpodcast, you get a free gift. So definitely, if you check out the juves, definitely get one of those. And they have a new miniature device coming out, which is super exciting. Um, so yeah, red light. Number two. I Well, I have like 20 million sleep hacks, but oh, I have so many. But my favorite sleep hack, hands down, best decision I ever made, the red light goggles. You just I can't even describe how life-changing they are. One pair that's more of an orange colored and they're like $10 on Amazon, super cheap. I put them on when like the sun would be going down anyway and it just blocks out like the blue light, which is very stimulating to our bodies and stops the production of melatonin. So by wearing the goggles, you're mimicking the normal circadian light rhythms. And then I also have the true dark glasses, which are like super duper red. They're like a hundred dollars, um, but they're made specifically for this. And um, I put those on right before bed. And I mean, you put them on and it's like instant fall asleep. It's amazing. Um, so I'll put links to all of that. I'll put links to all of these biohacks that we talk about in the show notes. Speaking of sleep, just plugging again that Instagram giveaway because you could uh, pair that with your sleep routine and have some nice recipes to help you fall asleep. Number four, you probably saw this one coming, Jen. The well, cold therapy and like the Wim Hof breathing technique. 
I'm just going to stop yeah. there and refer l- yep. listeners to last week's episode, right? Or no, 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 right. two, two episodes ago. Oh, was it? I think, I think it was. Okay. Um, but yeah, we had an episode where I talked all about cold therapy and breathing technique and the work, the workings of Wim Hof. I'll just refer you to that episode um, rather than recap it all. And number five, so this is the one I just thought of and I changed. Oh, no, no, I have six. All right, you can do six. Do six. Okay, okay. Number five, <laughs> uh, dry farm wines. Drinking. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a good Drinking one. organic wines. I mean, if you want to biohack your alcohol relationship and like say goodbye to hangovers and feel good after drinking, you really, you really, really want to be drinking organic wines in general. And dry farm wines, we love, 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 love. They are amazing. They, and what I really love about them, I think my favorite thing is you get to try. So they, they go all throughout the world and they find all the wineries practicing organic practices without being quote organic. And then they have a subscription service where they send you, you know, you get a box of wines in the mail every month. What I love about them is you get these really random varietals. So, I mean, you'll get like, you know, Cabernets and Pinot Noirs and things you've heard of, Chardonnays, but then you also get these super random varietals that you would have never tried. I tried the other night a Gruner Veltliner, which I never had before. Apparently it's a white wine primarily from Austria. And it was super delicious. And now I know what a Gruner Beltliner is and I wouldn't have before. Awesome. And we also have a deal for our listeners with that. Basically, listeners, if I really like something, I go to the company and try to get free deals for us. That's how this works. Um, <laughs> so if you go to dryfarmwines.com slash iPodcast, you get a free bottle for a penny with your first order, which is a super awesome deal. And okay, yeah, number six, Lodos Naltrexone. So it is a modern pharmaceutical, but the way it works is it temporarily blocks your opioid and endorphin receptors in your body, which causes your body to then rebound and create more natural endorphins. And endorphins are just so healing, so wonderful for the body overall. And the way because of the way it works, it's like exercise. It makes your body create endorphins rather than masking problems or giving your body endorphins. So it's like an exercise for your endorphin system. Cool. I love it. A lot of natural, if you want to try it out, a lot of naturally minded practitioners are very familiar with it. It's like the thing. <laughs> so, all right. Shall we move on? Yes. We can do it. We can do it. We might have to do a part two. We okay, can. here we go. On a couple of episodes, I've noticed that you have stated something to the effect that, that a person can be over-exercising and that could be a possible cause of no weight loss. I've never heard this. Currently, I work out about five days per week, a mixture of weights, HIIT, and cardio about 30 minutes per day. Do you think I am overworking out? Could you reference some studies that talk about overworking out? Okay, I'm so excited about this question. I did so much research. Good. Here's here's what I'm going to say about that. Um, The first thing you said is, do you think I am overworking out? Well, we can't know that. Maybe what you're doing is exactly right for your body. Maybe it's not enough for your body. Maybe it's too much for your body. Just like with fasting, there is no perfect amount of fasting. We think intermittent fasting is awesome, but you can also overdo it. Fasting is a stress on your body. It's a good stress, but it can also cross into the the realm of bad stress if you overly fast, if you do too much of it. The same with exercise. Exercise is a, a great stress for your body. It's really good for your body. But there is a point where you you can do too much. And the key is that that's different for all of us. You know, what is just right for you would be too much for somebody else and not enough for another person. So we can't tell you, you know, what what's right for your body. Now, I did find um, three different studies just, you know, in a, in a few minutes of looking about um, over-exercising. And there's one from 2008, and the title of it is Exercise and Circulating Cortisol Levels, the Intensity Threshold Effect. Cortisol is something, it's like a stress hormone, okay? And if you have too much cortisol, that can cause you to gain weight or have trouble losing weight. Cortisol is associated with weight gain. So you do not want to have elevated or excess cortisol. And so um, notice that in the title it said the intensity threshold effect. So basically there was a a point where it just got to be too much. So like as the intensity of the exercise increased for the participants, the cortisol 
increased in a way. Like first it didn't. Like first exercise could lower your cortisol and be very good, but eventually you're going to be doing so much it raises it. That's what they found. There's a threshold beyond which your cortisol is going to go up. And again, that's not going to be the same for everybody. Um, There was a 2015 study, the effects of four weeks aerobic training on saliva cortisol and testosterone in young healthy persons. And they found that um, four weeks of moderate aerobic training three times per week significantly elevated the levels of stress hormones, including cortisol. So, you know, too much, too much can do it. And then a 2013 study um, called overtraining, exercise, and adrenal insufficiency. These are all on PubMed. These are all legitimate studies. These aren't just like, you know, random blog posts. These are peer-reviewed PubMed studies. Um, this one's, um, here's a quote from it. Running or any aerobic training in moderation has a positive effect on health. There is a point of diminishing returns. There's that phrase you talked about earlier, Melanie, where chronic stress from overtraining, which is common in runners, may be linked to problems in the adrenal gland. Overtraining syndrome has been linked with adrenal insufficiency. There's a direct link between stress and the adrenal glands, and the physical stress of overtraining may cause the hormones produced in these glands to become depleted. So that was just three. I just you know didn't spend much time looking and found those very, very quickly. So the key is you don't want to overtrain. You don't want to overly stress your body. But, you know, I can't tell you how much that is. If you feel good, that's a good sign. If you're not having weight loss, if you feel overstressed, if you have a lot of other stressors going on, you know, maybe that's not working for you. I have found that the exercises that make me feel great are, you know, more gentle things like Pilates. I'm like crazy, crazy, crazy about Pilates to the point that I am now about to also join a Pilates studio (laughs) and go do it there too. Like I'm going to be doing just Pilates all the time because I feel so good when I'm doing it. I also felt good doing Tai Chi. I did not feel good doing some of the aerobic stuff. It felt very, very stressful to me. So um, my body didn't like that. So you just have to figure out what works well for you. I'm really happy that you found those studies because we took a, we're going to, we come to the same conclusion, but we took a slightly different approach in our research. So I think we're providing a very nuanced perspective. So I sat down to research this and I'd like to start by discussing how we see consistently that in general, physical activity and daily energy expenditure doesn't correlate to weight loss in general. So for example, um, in a 2016 review, it was called The Role of Physical Activity and Exercise in Obesity and Weight Management, Time for Critical Appraisal. They say, for example, and this is obesity, but they say the idea that obesity is caused by consistent decline in daily energy expenditure, so not you know doing as much physical activity, is not supported either by objective measures of energy expenditure or physiological theory of weight gain. And what it says, and this is going to sound like it's proving the opposite of my point, but bear with me. It says, based on the present literature, unless the overall volume of aerobic exercise training is very high, clinically significant weight loss is unlikely to occur. So yes, that is saying that unless you, if you exercise a ton, you're going to lose weight. It is saying that, but the picture here is that energy expenditure and physical activity does not correlate directly to weight loss that we would anticipate. It's not a mathematical formula, whereas you can like count up how much you burned off. It's not like that. Like we think that it is. Exactly. And here's a more specific study, which yes, this does find that people are losing more weight with going really intense with, you know, diet and exercise. But I want you to pay attention to the numbers I'm about to say. So it's called effective diet and exercise alone or combined on weight and body composition in overweight to obese postmenopausal women. This was from 2012. And they compared obese women who were dieting, obese women who were exercising, and obese women who were dieting and exercising, and then a control group. And the dieting group lost 8.5%, 8.5. Whereas the inner, the exercise group just lost 2.4%. Um, so um, diet had a much bigger effect than, than exercise. And when they combined, yes, they did lose more. They lost 10.8%. But what I think is just so important to like realize here is that 
most of the changes were coming from the diet and the, the exercise didn't seem to make that much of a difference, which brings us to a, a 2016 study. And this is like the big one that I love. It's called Constrained Total Energy Expenditure and Metabolic Adaptation to Physical Activity in Adult Humans. And basically what they did is they looked at 332 adults from five different countries, from five different countries, and they looked at their physical activity over a week. They measured their physical activity and they measured their daily energy expenditure. So how much um, calories they're actually burning and how it related to physical activity and um, yeah, so basically that. So what they were looking, what they were trying to figure out was, does moving more and having more exercise and more physical activity does that make you burn more calories throughout the day? And what they found was that lower levels of physical activity, people did burn more. But once you started burning more and more and more, and once, especially once you surpass, once you surpassed moderate activity levels, so like intense activity, that it plateaued that you didn't lose any more from going more intense. Guess what? Guess what? Guess what? That study is in Delight Don't Deny. Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I recognize the title of it. But yeah, that's that's the one that I talk about specifically in the exercise chapter of Delight Don't Deny, that one right there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Do because do you remember they said um, what I thought was really interesting? They found a few different findings. They found that people who weighed more did burn more. If you don't weigh as much, you're probably not going to burn as much, which I think is something we talk about with being like overstressed, you know? So like if you don't really have the weight to lose, going more, 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 harder, harder, harder is not really the way to go here. And then they also found that those who exercised more intensely, which they called vigorously, that was also negatively correlated. So going like harder was not, did not make you burn more. (laughs) Right. And the, the key to that is the title because it says metabolic adaptation and that's what happens. You know, as you, as you start ramping up the level of intensity, your body actually adapts to that and it does not correlate with the, the higher output like you think it will. Yeah. That's what they proposed was that basically the more intense you go, especially when your body is perceiving it now as not adequate, that your body will adapt. They referenced like an, another study in adult women that showed that those who were doing moderate exercise, that their body started making changes, it actually suppressed their ovarian activity and lowered their estrogen production. So like our bodies can do a lot of crazy counteractive things if right. it thinks we're over-exercising. And they said in animals, and I, I thought this was really interesting, that in some animals, um, when they are put into really intense physical activity and intense stress... Even when they have like, even when they have completely tons of food and they have all of their calories, um, their bodies can still create responses to like mitigate the intense physical activity. It said, for example, that some animals, their, their basal metabolic rate will drop. They'll even reduce breast milk production and, um, things like that, even when they have enough food and are taking in enough calories. And that's just from overdoing it. Well, it all comes back to the fact that our bodies love us and they want to, want us to survive. And our body doesn't know that you're trying to run an ultra marathon because it's 2018 and you're like, you know, Captain America. Instead, your body thinks, oh my gosh, something awful is happening that I have to like migrate across the world to survive. And so I better, you know, slow down what I'm using in my body and so I won't die. Exactly. What I take away from this is the, the amount of physical activity that we do does not correlate consistently to weight loss. So I think we can very easily propose that by over-exercising and creating that stress in your body, you're going to be hindering your results, especially towards sustainable weight loss and towards you know a healthy weight loss. So that's why I think it's really important to find the amount of exercise. Like in this study, it found that lower levels of exercise, and like I like what Jim was saying, you know, like yoga, Pilates, you know, healthy exercises that are supporting your body, building strength, and aren't being a hardcore stressor. Because just running on the treadmill for hours is not probably not the way to go for weight loss. All right. Well, I don't think we are going to. We failed. You're right. We're not going to be able to finish. That's, (laughs) we tried. We tried. We just like so many things. We have all the hacks. We will get to the rest of it. We promise, Brittany. Brittany has um, two more questions or so. 
And they're good questions. She brought forth a lot of nuanced questions that we haven't tackled specifically. So So Brittany, next time we know we have one listener. This is the Brittany episode. (laughs) One listener that will definitely be tuning in again. (laughs) I know. I think we should we, we could give a teaser too. Next episode will probably also have yeah. Daniela. So now yeah. we can have two. So if you're because that's a unique name, right? Yeah. If your name is Daniela, you might be on the next episode with Brittany. Yeah. And that might yeah. be the whole episode. <laughs> All right. This has been absolutely wonderful. So a few things for listeners before you we a few things for listeners before we go. To recap, if you go to ifpodcast.com slash episode ninety, I'll put links. We talked about so many things. I'll put links to all the things we talked about. Um, definitely well follow us on Instagram. We are I have podcasts, but also go to my Instagram, which is Melanie Avalon, and look for that picture for Ariane's Wake Sleep book, which so amazing. Like I said, she'll sign it for you if you win. Just comment on it, your favorite intermittent intermittent fasting benefit and tag a friend who could also benefit or who's also enjoying the intermittent fasting lifestyle. And like I said, you can enter as many times as you want. Just comment more IF benefits and tag more friends in each one. Also, like I said, this episode was supported by by Optimizers from the beginning and Preptish. So we love them and definitely check out the show notes for the links to discounts and free trials for all of that. You can also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, and then you will get the episodes downloaded automatically each and every week. You won't even have to do anything, so definitely, definitely check that out. And um, yes, anything from you, Jen, before we go? No, I think this was a really fun episode. This was fun. I liked it. Yep. And a happy early New Year's to you, even though it will have already happened. But yep. Yep. <laughs> Same. Oh, this will come out in, the, in a new year, in a different year. It will. 2019 the year year. it's gonna be a big year i'm really i'm calling it big things in 2019 for the intermittent fasting community me too yeah all right well i will talk to you next week all right bye thank you so much for listening to the intermittent fasting podcast please remember the opinions we discussed on this show do not constitute medical advice we're not doctors check out ifpodcast.com for more information on us Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.